time when Iowa voters feel very special. 19 of the 23 candidates in Iowa today. An incredible honor to campaign across Iowa with so many of you. Thank you, Iowa. We love Iowa. Thank you very much. The state of Iowa has spoken. This is Political Theater, Roll Call's review of the spectacle of politics on Capitol Hill and across the country. I'm Jason Dick. We have been in Iowa this week at the Iowa State Fair. We've been following politics, politicians who practice politics, a bunch of stuff to eat at the Iowa State Fair. We've been fanning out across the state as well as the fair, and we're going to wrap up what we've uh, learned from our, our time here in Iowa. Appropriately enough, we are at the uh, High Life Lounge in downtown Des Moines. This is uh, almost an unofficial clubhouse for uh, people who practice politics and the journalists who cover them. My colleague Bridget Bowman uh, is joining me. We're going to talk to some of our other colleagues a little bit later, but first I wanted to talk to Bridget about uh, a lot of the, the stuff that she has been Picking up uh, here in Iowa, we did a primer episode before we came here where we set the expectations for all these competitive races from the presidency on down to the House races and the Senate in between. And uh, I'm just curious how it went, Bridget. (laughs) Hello. Hello. It's good to be here. I can't believe that I'm already about to leave. I feel like I just got here. And like you said, we've been traveling all over the state. We're in three out of the four congressional districts and we're at the state fair, which is awesome. But we also got outside of the state fair to rural parts of Iowa um, to talk to voters kind of all over the place. At at the fair in particular, what did you notice about like the the presidency, particularly the political soapbox and and the presidential candidates who were there? Right. So I spent a good amount of time at the soapbox on Saturday. That's when a lot of the big kind of heavy hitters in the presidential race were there. Elizabeth Warren, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker. Um, So big crowds. Warren had a really big crowd that were really excited. Um, So interesting, like talking to Democrats there. A lot of folks I talked to, um, voters in Iowa, if they don't know exactly what candidate they're supporting, they have like four or five that they really like. And the interesting thing in talking to Iowa voters, these Democratic primary voters, they often said to me, like, we know that this is the responsibility. Like, we want to hear from these folks. Um, a lot of what the candidates were saying at the, at the soapbox were similar to their stump speeches. I think Senator Amy Klobuchar from Minnesota had a little bit more of an Iowa-specific kind of uh, focus of her speech. But yeah, for the most part, it was similar to messages that we've been hearing from these candidates. One of the things that struck me, because I, I got to see uh, f- about four candidates on Sunday, was even even though people are very, they listen. I mean, the, one of the candidates that I saw was Bill Weld, the former Massachusetts governor, Republican. He's taking on Donald Trump in the primary. Uh, you know, it was raining, but still a lot of people showed up. Yeah. You know, they, they were interested in what he had to say. He took questions. He had a kind of easy rapport. Uh, it, it didn't seem to change a lot of voters' minds. I mean, the, the, the corn kernel, uh, you know, kind of vote that they have, that the WHO TV has where people can cast their, their corn kernel vote for their preferred candidate. Uh, you know, I think it was 97 to 3 Donald Trump over Bill Weld. Right. Uh, but it, it, it was it was, you know, people do seem to take it very seriously. Yeah. And the Corn Kernel poll was a really fun place as a reporter to kind of hang around and talk to people who had cast their kernels. And I talked to a younger couple who had both put their kernels in for Buttigieg, for Pete Buttigieg, the South Bend mayor. Um, and they liked his 
kind of person. It was a lot very personality driven what they liked about him. They thought he was very steady, reasonable. Um, but we got into kind of a conversation about how Democrats should be approaching 2020. And the woman said, you know, we should be embracing bold ideas. And her husband was like, well, I don't know about that. And it was like the debate within the party that's happening right now is happening right in front of me at the Iowa State Fair between these two people. And it was just just really fascinating. So you also got out uh, into, you know, the other other parts of the state besides Des Moines. It seems like most of the state is in Des Moines <laughs> right now. Uh, the, the, I think they're averaging about 100,000 people a day at the state fair. I believe you know, it. Which is, I mean. Very it, crowded. It's very crowded. <laughs> uh, but let's let's talk about some of the races that, that you covered. Because, again, we're, we're in a situation where we have potentially four very competitive House races and then a competitive, potentially competitive Senate race. So let's let's uh, let's talk about those. Yeah. Um, so to give kind of an overview, um, three out of the four House districts in Iowa are held by Democrats. Democrats flipped two of them in 2018. The first district, Abby Finkenauer, won that race. Uh, the third district which is Des Moines, where we are. Cindy Axney won that race in 2018. And then the second district, uh, Congressman Lopes, Dave Lopesack, has been a Democrat around for a little while. He won re-election in 2018, but he is retiring. So now that's an open seat. So those seats are going to be really key for Democrats looking to hold on to the majority. They're all three Obama-Trump districts. Uh, the fourth district, Congressman Steve Meaning King. Meaning that the, the former president, yes. Barack Obama, won won them, uh, and then they, they went to for Donald Trump in 2016. That's right. right. And the 4th District, Northwest Iowa, Republican Congressman Steve King, known for his controversial comments, is again facing, if he wins the primary, which is not a given, uh, would face likely J.D. Shulton, the Democrat there, who almost beat him in 2018. Right. And uh, only lost by three points, I think. It was like 50-47, something like that's that. That's right. And, it was yeah. really close. And Democrats there, we were out there for the Wing Ding, which is this big Democratic fundraiser. All the presidential candidates were there a in, Friday in night. In Clear Lake, Iowa. That's uh, right. All the way up to the, almost to the uh, the, the border of, is it, is it Minnesota? Yeah. yeah, yeah and yeah. it's in the 4th District, yeah. and Democrats there were really amped up that J.D. Shulton was running again. Uh, everybody was sporting I Heart J.D. stickers, and they were really excited about that race. Um, so we got up there to talk to folks. Uh, we're also covering the Senate race, which Republican Senator Joni Ernst is running for re-election, and there are a couple Democrats running against her. Um, one that, that has the support of the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee and Emily's List is Teresa Greenfield. We caught up with her in a rural part of the state at a small Democratic County meeting. It was like a family picnic. Everybody was bringing food to this park, and she kind of gave her pitch uh, to voters there and to, to Democratic um, activists. And so Ernst, I think, is going to be, Republicans are pretty confident about her. I caught up with her at a town hall. By Her office says by the end of this year, she's going to have done a town hall in all of the counties in Iowa. The um, full Grassley, if you will. Exactly. Uh, referred to as the, the going to all 99 of Iowa's counties, which uh, Chuck Grassley, the senior senator, Republican, he does every year. He visits every single county once a year. Yes, that's right. And she she is following suit. And there's a really interesting exchange. Um, some voters there were pressing her to not be as supportive of the president. They're pressing her on gun violence. Um, but she is kind of staying firm in, in supporting the president. Um, in, but she says she will say when she'll disagree with him, but do it respectfully. So, yeah, I was going to be really fascinating to watch. But I think the thing that's going to be interesting to watch in this state and in lots of other, th other states is how are these congressional candidates going to break through all the noise of the presidential race? Like, right. Especially now, I mean, all the attention's on Iowa. So it might 
it's tougher for them to break through at this point after the caucuses are over, there might get some more attention, but we saw some examples of this while we were out there. So for example, at the wing ding, I was talking to Eddie Morrow, who's another Democrat running for Senate. And at points during the interview, I could not hear what he was saying because the crowd was cheering so loudly for Pete Buttigieg. And at another point, Teresa Greenfield was at the Democratic booth at the fair, and Amy Klobuchar was there, and all the media attention was on Klobuchar. A couple of people were talking to Greenfield, but it was, it's going to be tough for them to break through all of this. But like I said, it might get easier in, in a few months. Yeah, I, I was struck by this that some of the candidates seem very comfortable with that. Like mm-hmm. I, I spoke with, uh, and I believe you did too, former Congressman David Young, a Republican who lost to Democrat Sidney Axney last year. Mm-hmm. He was a two-term uh, co- congressman from the 3rd District, and he was Chuck Grassley's chief of staff for several years. And he, he, you know, has been coming to the fair for years, and he, he seemed to sort of take it all in stride. I mean, maybe some of that is just the familiarity with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, you know, he doesn't have a primary to worry about, uh, like the people you were working, uh, talking to right. uh, in the Democratic primary for the Senate. But it, uh, it has, I mean, we hear sort of anecdotally that some of the congressional candidates uh, may even be having staffing problems because so many people are working for presidential candidates yeah. in Iowa that they don't, you know, they're, 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 it's tough to attract that, you know, the people to just run like a House campaign or a Senate campaign. Right. And I've asked, I caught up with Congresswoman Axney and Congresswoman Finkenauer at the fair while we've been out here and I asked them that, like, how are you going to get your message out to voters of what you've been doing? And they just say, we're gonna, we're just gonna stay focused and get the local media attention, uh, stay active in the district when we're doing events, when we're, we're helping people out, people out, get that attention and just try to shake hands and, and meet with as many people as they possibly can. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there were a couple of moments uh, where, where it, it did feel like, even though among the 100,000 people or so at the Iowa State Fair, that it felt small town. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, I mean, at one point, Cindy Axney uh, and, and our photographer, Caroline Brimmon, like she caught a, a photo of this. Cindy Axney was talking to her son, Gunner, who mm-hmm. was working in one of the corn dog stands at the, at the fair. Yeah. <laughs> and then David Young, who I'd mentioned before, uh, he, he was telling us that he was a stagehand uh, for, you know, the fair when he was a teenager. And it is, it's just like, it is this thing that I, I, I didn't ever really experience that much on this sort of scale in my, my home state of Arizona. And we had a big state fair and certainly not where we live in Washington either. Yeah, that's right. And there was a moment when we were at the pork tent with Cindy Axney, which is like a political must do. You get your own embroidered apron and you flip pork burgers. Um, while we were there, Cindy Axney's aunt and uncle like yelled to her. I was like, Hey, how's it going? And she was like, Oh, that's my aunt and uncle. Like she, she didn't expect them to be there. And it was that very family vibe. Yeah. It definitely has that feeling for sure. I'm going to, uh, switch gears a little bit here, uh, because I, I feel like I, I want to, I definitely want to talk about some of, uh, these things that we're, we're talking about now. We're getting into the, some of the funner observations, uh, we, you know, we, uh, for, for fans of Roll Call, uh, you may uh, remember every Friday we do a uh, video series called Hits and Misses, Congressional Hits and Misses. Well, Thomas McKinless, the brains and the brawn behind Hits and Misses, uh, joined us on this trip. Uh, he, he cranked out several video stories, uh, and this was his first trip to Iowa as well. Uh, and Micaela Rodriguez, uh, she is my you know pr- podcast producer and makes this podcast sound awesome. Uh, and has done just incredible work with uh, in a very complicated and fluid situation uh, at the fair and even here at El Bait uh, <laughs> in in getting the right sounds. I just want to do uh, our own sort of audio version of hits and misses, where we talk about something that was 
pretty awesome and maybe unexpected and and pretty cool that we noticed and also something that we noticed where it just didn't something didn't seem right or it flopped or maybe an expectation didn't get met uh so thomas let's start with you your hits and misses for the iowa state fair and this political trip uh from for cq roll call i'll I'll start with a miss because typically the the videos are, are heavier on the misses than, than the hits, They're I'd funnier. have to say. It's, right. funny. it's funny to watch somebody <laughs> slip on a banana peel. <laughs> right. And, and, and this one is primo hits and misses content. It was captured, of course, by C-SPAN, who, shout out to them. They, they, they do great work for hits and misses. Um, as, at some point after South Bend Mayor Pete Buttigieg did his political soapbox speech, he was, of course, shaking hands with people in the crowd. And uh, one woman uh, said to him, I shook hands with Robert Kennedy in um, in 1968, and he said, "Oh, so you're good luck then." And she said, "No, it was a month before he got <laughs> shot." <laughs> just, just a brutal moment. <laughs> Michaela, we're gonna put you on the spot. You're usually the one uh, behind behind the mic, uh, if you will. But uh, let's talk about your hits and misses. Okay, I'm gonna go misses first as well and say that my misses were all of the food, which I thought that I would like because it's all fried, and I thought I liked fried food. But my biggest nemesis was the nut roll, which <laughs> is, like, massive, and I didn't know what I thought it would be, but it, there was, like, nougat and caramel and then cashews, but, like, a whole jar of cashews, not, like, ten <laughs> cashews, and then, like, dipped in chocolate and served, like, still hot inside but cold on the outside, and, like, it melts, and it's just, I felt so sick after eating it. It seems like you've been recovering for the past few days since, <laughs> since eating it. I have not eaten normally since the nut roll. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was pretty dark. Bridget, your hits and misses? For hits, I mean, I gotta say, I all the Iowans that I've talked to, not just at the fair, but elsewhere, have been super nice and just really willing to talk to talk to me. Um, Iowa nice is, is a thing that I experienced, um, but my... The moment kind of that. And you're like the nicest person I know, Bridget. So like that that, that means something. I'm from Buffalo and we say pop where I'm from, not soda. And they say pop here. So I feel like. You got that kinship. Exactly. So I get it here. There there is some consideration that Buffalo may be just kind of the, an extension of the Midwest. Yeah. We'll allow it. We'll allow it. (laughs) We like fried food too. It's fine. Um, I'm going to have to do two of them. I'm going to have to do a politics hits and miss and a food hit and miss because I feel like I don't want to give short shrift to either one. Um, so I'll, I'll start with the, uh, I'll start with the politics. Uh, one of the hits was, um, during one of the, the big, uh, scrums, I think it, um, I can't remember which candidate it was, but I, um, I just spotted Tom Vilsack, uh, the former governor and the former agriculture secretary and his wife, Christy Vilsack, uh, who uh, is a, a former congressional candidate. And they were they were just kind of, you know, hanging out nonchalantly. And I didn't want to bother them, but I also didn't want to miss a chance to say hello and to get their thoughts about the fair. And we just had this kind of nice, you know, conversation just off to the side of, of what was happening at the soapbox. I think there's obviously a lot of dissatisfaction with uh, the direction uh, of the administration and the tone of the administration. So people are fired up and there are a lot of candidates. Yeah, and people a lot to, a lot around the state are, you know, they're worried that they're not going to get to see everybody. And they, they take it personally because they think it's their responsibility. And, so. uh, you know, it was a very easy uh, way to talk to them. And it was it was sort of a highlight. Uh, and it, and it, it did, it sort of 
you know, double down on that, that it is a nice place to, to cover mm-hmm. politics, if you will. Uh, another food. <laughs> uh, the miss, the, the, the biggest miss uh, on the food was something that I was kind of excited about because um, the, the Des Moines Register, you know, they, they say like, oh, you should check out these new foods. And one of them was at the Rib Shack. It was this thing called the Chief. And it was fry bread with brisket and coleslaw and, and sour cream uh, or crema. And it sounded really good. And I'm from Arizona, so I was excited about having a Navajo taco. Uh, and it, it was soggy and kind of gross. Uh, and, it, and it was really disappointing. And it's also like a kind of, it, it, you like, it's kind of like wasting a meal, you know, <laughs> to not have a good, because there's such good food here. Well, uh, Bridget, Thomas, Michaela, thank you for uh, making it all work uh, here in Iowa this week. Uh, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun working with you all. Um, thank you. Uh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I want to thank everybody for listening also to our podcasting from Iowa. I hope you have enjoyed it. We have certainly enjoyed providing it to you and reporting. Uh, thanks a bunch. Please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. Uh, and if you need to subscribe to this podcast, which I highly recommend, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Next week, we will be back in Washington, sadly leaving Iowa, uh, but we have a great show for you. We're going to be talking to one of the Senate historians, and uh, it'll be a good listen. And until then, thanks for tuning in. Closing time, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here.